Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Many runners use apps to track their running performance, but have you ever used a food tracking app? Today, we're going to be reviewing three popular apps and discussing the pros and cons of tracking your food alongside your running. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionist friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalized sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Club. everyone I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen as always and our topic today is quite different from the usual ones. Uh, Today we're going to be reviewing some food apps and discuss the potential benefits and drawbacks of each for you as runners Um, but before we outline our discussion in in any more detail what I'm going to do is ask Karen a question as always. So Karen hello. Hi, Karen. Uh, my question for you today is really staying on the theme of our topic. And I just wondered if there's any food apps that um, you've used or continue to use. And if you do, uh, how, they, how do they serve you? What role are they playing for you? Mm, well, hi, everyone. And hi again to you, Aileen. And I have to say that I do use a fat food app, but, but not all of the time. And my one of choice is my fitness pal. And that is only because I started using it really when there were very few others available. And because I now know how it works, I've just continued to use it. Um, but what I would say is that, I, like I said, I don't use it all the time, only when I feel I need to maybe consider my portion control and or body composition for my training and my races Um, because sometimes it's not where I would like it to be so I just need to sort of really hone in and focus on um, my portion size etc so I'll I'll use it for, for that reason. So on average I would say I use it maybe three times a year and usually for about 
two months, I would say on average, maybe a little bit longer sometimes until I feel that I'm back on track again. And then I put it to the side. Now, clearly there are advantages and disadvantages to using a food app and exercise apps. You know, you get lots of different types of apps, um, which I'm I'm sure we will discuss in in more detail later. So, um, so Aileen, um, that's me. How about you? Do you um, use one or have you ever used a food app? And if so, which one or which few do you tend to use and for what purpose? Well, like you, I, I tend to use apps as a tool when I need them. I certainly don't like being a slave to entering data and getting hung up on tracking information. That can feel a bit of a burden. Um, but also um, what I'll do from time to time is I'll sign up for an app or a nutrition program, which is app based really to experience what it offers. And sometimes it's to buddy up with a client or a member of of the family who's who's wanting to do something, uh, but they need a little bit of personalized input from me too. Um, And sometimes I've got to say that when I I take part in these sort of app-based programs, parts of the health information that the app promotes may not be in in alignment uh, with my nutritional approach. So that's quite helpful because it's good to be able to guide clients uh, when they're working with me because sometimes the information is contradictory to what I'm uh, suggesting. Um, So it's important that um, we we use the app at the same time just so I can guide them. Um, One of the apps that I use a lot with clients um, is Eight. And um, we'll talk about that later on. And I do occasionally use my fitness pal. Um, and in the past, I've tried Noom. And currently, I'm actually taking part in the Zoe Nutrition Program. So that's the, the latest app that I'm using. Mm, that's really interesting, Aileen, because I know that the, the Zoe Nutrition Program and the Zoe app is relatively new. So could you maybe tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, well, as you say, it is relatively new and it was developed as part of a much larger scientific study called the PREDICT program, uh, which is currently the world's largest in-depth nutritional research program. Um, what Zoe does is take a, a really personalized approach. Um, so you, you log and you track your food intake and some overall health um tracking things like energy and and gut health. Um, But what you need to do before you actually sign up to the program, um, you complete some um, tests which provide data um, on a few different areas, on your gut microbiome, on your blood sugar levels, and also your personal response to fat. Um, So when when you're eating fat. So it's really focusing on um, metabolic um, parts of your health and also gut health. And it it really gives you a very personalized approach to how you make your food choices and how those food choices influence your body composition and how they balance inflammation in your body. So um, there's a lot to share on it, Karen, and today's maybe not the right place to do it. um, But I'll definitely share more as I progress through the the Zoe program, because it's a really fascinating uh, program to be part of. Yes, and, and it's all app based. That's that's the reason, really, the reason that we're talking about it. It's all app based. Yeah, I know it does sound really interesting and very personalised in so many ways. Considering it's it's app based and it's 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 a program, it sounds very personalised, which is interesting in itself. So, thank you for sharing that, Aileen. 
Okay, so let's move on and introduce the topic for today, which we've already um, said is all about food apps and how you might use them as a runner. Um, and we know that there are lots of different apps available these days, and we've chosen um, three to review today. And they're uh, the ones that we've either used ourselves or that our or that our clients use. So we've been exposed to their tools and how they work. And the three apps that we're going to discuss today are MyFitnessPal, Noom and Ace, all of which we've just mentioned. Um, so I'm wondering if anybody out there listening to us today uh, uses any apps or any of these ones or any others. And if you do and you've got any additional insights uh, above and beyond what we discussed today, uh, please do get in touch We'd love to know uh, what your experience is because everybody has a different experience and we can share that information uh, with everybody in our community. So before we uh, begin, um, let me just outline what we're going to be talking about. So what we're going to do to start with is just give you a little bit of an introduction to each of the apps and give you an outline of the service they offer and um, what they advertise uh, they give to the customer. Then we're going to more generally talk about how food apps could be supportive to your health and running. And then we'll also talk about some potential drawbacks to using food apps. So, Karen, let's get started by talking about MyFitnessPal, um, especially as this is an app that you use a lot. Uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about the service it provides and uh, what are the benefits to uh, the users. Mm, absolutely, Aileen. So my fitness pal actually advertises itself as a weight loss tool, which I have to say, I think is probably now a bit of an outdated approach to health. Um, so I'm not sure why they still advertise it in this way, sort of looking at body composition and nutrient density of food alongside exercise. I think is a much more 21st century approach. So it is interesting that they're still focusing on that weight loss, loss. But you know that that's my that's my opinion and and what I observe um, when I'm looking at different apps and different approaches to health these days. And my fitness pal is a worldwide app. You can it's everywhere, which means that its database of foods is enormous. You know, it, and it can track both your food intake and your daily exercise, breaking down the nutrients from food into protein, fat and carbohydrates, but also your sugar and your salt intake as well. And I think you can add some others if you want to, but there is a limit on the, the, the free version of MyFitnessPal. Now, what you do is you manually input your estimated daily energy intake and the distribution of each of the macros, so that proteins, fats and carbohydrates that you want to consume on a daily basis. And clearly that would be based on your own weight goals. Now, they do this as a percentage value. So, for example, you might put in that you want to consume 60% of carbohydrates, 30% protein and 10% fat. And this is all manually inputted into the app before you start. So, so that's an outline, Aileen, of, of how it works. Thanks, Karen. And I know that my fitness pal syncs with other apps. So, therefore, like energy consumption data that you get from exercise apps, say recorded on Strava or Garmin, 
Um, and I think maybe even Fitbit as well. So that will automatically upload to my fitness pal. And you can also input exercise data directly into my fitness pal and their algorithm will estimate the calories you've used depending on the length of time of exercise. So for example, if you input a 30 minute run at say 10 minutes a mile, it would then estimate the energy or the calories ex- expended during that exercise period. Yeah, exactly that, Taylor, and that's what it does. But what, what I would just um, say here is that I use Garmin and I tend to sync it with my fitness pal with the app. And what I've noticed is that if I ever input my exercise manually on my fitness pal, their estimations tend to be much more generic than the data from my Garmin. And what I've noticed also is that um, my fitness pal tends to underestimate the energy expenditure from my exercise. Now, I think this might be because they've got much less personal and exercise data uh, about me logged into their um, into the app, therefore, to put into their algorithm. But I think that we also have to remember, really, that many of these types of apps in these apps, the data is going to be, to an extent, an estimation. So, you know, they're never going to be gold standard. They're never going to be totally accurate for um, a particular individual. So I think it is always worth bearing in that mind, uh, bearing that in mind if you use any of these food and exercise apps. Yeah, it's a good point that, you know, they're they're using average information rather than, you know, personal information about you as an individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what you're saying there, Karen, is that if, if that's the case, potentially that would mean that you're underestimating the amount of food you require. So you might actually be underfueling on heavy training mm-hmm. days. Is that is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If they're saying you're using up less mm-hmm. um, energy in your training, then they're going to be saying yes, take on less. So you could be you could be under eating potentially. Yeah, I mean, and that I suppose if you are somebody who you're just using it as a weight loss tool, that could be beneficial to you. But if you're somebody who's using it as a way of making sure you're fueling uh, adequately for your training, that could be a disadvantage. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um. Karen, what's what's the uh, payment? How much do you have to invest to use MyFitnessPal? Yeah, well, like I was saying, Aileen, there is a there is a free version, and that's the version that I use. But they do also have a pro, um, which is on a subscription subscription basis. Now. Principally, I think the pro version gets rid of all the advertising that that pops up on screen. And I have to say, it is really annoying. It's just, you know, you just open it. You want, want to go and input something and another advert pops up. So it is really irritating. But I think it also gives you access to recipes and also to training plans. So it depends what you're looking for and what your needs are, whether the free version is going to be enough or whether actually the pro version might be helpful. Now, you can get a month's free trial initially, and then it costs £15.99 per month. Or apparently you can pay um, yearly at a cost of £64.99, which sounds like a bargain, I have to say. But what I'm not sure about there is that if this is a special 
um, a, um, a special offer for the first year only because the actual price that they advertise um, as a yearly cost is £191.88. So it might be that you start up on a, a rolling, you know, you set it up at $64.99, but you find the following year you're then paying £191.88, which is then a really big jump. Wow, it does sound a lot of money. I mean, I I, um, I have a paid version. Um, I'm not quite sure why or when I signed up for the paid version. Um, mm-hmm. I, there obviously was something that I tried to do and I couldn't do without upgrading. So I have the paid version and it costs me $39.99 a year. And I've had mm-hmm. that for a few years. So I think sometimes when you start with something, they'll honour that amount so they don't lose you as a customer maybe. Maybe. Um, but um, you know so it could just be an old price that's that's rolled over and you know I as I say I don't use it every day but you know for under a pound a day it's sort of a week rather it's it's sort of an okay amount for me to use as and when I would like to well that's right and when you think that the special offer now is what did I say £64.99 a year your one is a, a real good bargain yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's just a quick intro introduction to my fitness pal. Now, Aileen, let's maybe move on now and take a look at the new map, which, um, when I was researching it, appeared to take a more holistic approach to health, looking at the psychology around eating as well as the physical effects of food. Now, on their website, they state that um, that they used to be a weight management only tool, but have in, in recent years um, progressed to focusing on behavioral change and mindful eating, really to help people manage chronic and non-chronic conditions such as likes of stress and anxiety, also hypertension and diabetes. And this is what they advertise. Now, they have a program-based approach with their programs lasting 16 weeks. And they're called the Noom Food and the Noom Weight Program. So they're, they're two different programs. And they advertise as using psychology, technology and human coaching to help users meet their, both their personal health and wellness goals. Now, apparently they've got um, psychologists and coaches on hand to answer any questions that um, any any user might have. And you also, when you sign up, you are provided with daily lessons, giving some practical knowledge really to help build your confidence in introducing change. And these you can complete um, at your own pace. So they, they deliver them daily, but you can complete them at, at, at the pace that works for you. Now, there isn't much information online regarding the cost of this program, not that I could find anyway, um, just that new mood, the new mood program, which is the newest program, costs um, $149 for the four months program. But Aileen, that's what um, I know about Noom. Do you have any um, additional insights into the pricing or the app as a whole? Because, you know, you were saying that you have used it in the past. Yeah, well, I did the Noom program about a year ago, and I think where the pricing tends to vary, from what I can remember, you sort of put in your information, and then I think they give you a price based on what you what they think you need. Um, oh. And because I know somebody who did it 
at a similar time and got a different price to me. Um, so I think that's why it's always a bit difficult to find the pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, as I say, I did it about a year ago to support a client who was following Noom. And what I would say is it was certainly very easy to use. It was really easy to log the meals. Um, from memory, I seem to think that there was a color-coded system, um, you know, so you knew you whether you were picking green, amber, or, or red foods. Um, and it does work on a calorie deficit model, and it does add back calories if you exercise. And again, I think it probably syncs with, you know, things like Fitbit and, and Garmin and things like that. And as you said, you know, there are daily lessons about um, you know, healthy eating, nutrition, um, habits, and, and overcoming obstacles. So from a nutritional therapy point of view, I don't always feel comfortable with focus on calories. And I felt uneasy when I was doing it because of that. Um, and they also seem to favor uh, low fat foods. So, you know, you got better scores if you, you know, chose something that was low fat and obviously as nutritionists we we don't promote low fat foods uh, or process low fat foods we process we promote healthy fats um so that that was my sort of main um gripe i think with them uh, but what i would say is noom seems to work well um is that when you join um you you're allocated a group of other noom participants who've probably joined around about the same time as you and probably have similar sort of challenges. So I guess, you know, if you were somebody that had a, a huge amount of weight to lo- lose, you might go into one group. Or if you were somebody, like you were saying, it's to do with mental well-being, you might go into another group. So you're with like-minded people and you can chat every day if you want to via chat stream just with that group of, say, 20 people and you can share wins or challenges or you can ask questions and the, the group is led by a Noom coach. But this is all chat, you know, you're not actually speaking to people uh, in person. And you also have a, a Noom coach that you can send them private questions. Again, you know, it's available. I wouldn't say, you know, the quick off the market replying to you necessarily. So if you think that you're going to get coaching, it's not really coaching. It's just somebody answering questions and maybe sending you a question that you might want to answer um, as part of the coaching process. But if you are, if you're an emotional eater or you really are looking for support on habit building or you do well in a community um, and you find that an element of group support is good for you, then uh, yeah, I think Noom would be would be helpful. And I did quite like all the little lessons, you know, that they sent through. Um, yes. So yeah, I think it was good, but I think it's just choosing something that is is right for you. Um, definitely yeah. would work for weight loss and habit building. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily good for runners, particularly. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, it depends what you need, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this just gives everybody a bit of an insight into these different types of um, apps so that they can then make a, a, an informed decision on what, what is right for them, if any of them. OK, so thanks for that, Aileen. Now let's take a quick look at the eight approach to logging food, which is quite different from the others that we've already mentioned. Now, Aileen, you and I have used this app with our followers in our Facebook 
Facebook book when we um, when we set up a challenge quite a while ago now and um, and it was you that that sourced the app. So could you maybe tell everyone a little bit more about it and why you thought it was um, a good app for our uh, Facebook group challenge? Yeah, well, I've used eight, which is A-T-E, uh, not the figure eight. Um, I've used it with clients um, who who want to do a food diary but don't want to write things down. So it really is a, a photograph food diary type of app. Uh, and the reason that I chose it for our challenge was because it was really easy to use. So what you, you do is you photograph your plate before you start eating. And you can also write comments underneath um, to share with with people um, or just for your own reflection. So it'll ask you questions like, you know, how did you feel when you ate this food? Were you hungry? Um, did it make you feel happy? That kind of thing. Um, and the, the mission of the app really is to get people to think about why they ate the food they did as well as what they ate and how it makes them feel. So it's all about intuitive eating and mindful eating. Now, you know, Karen and I, we, we teach plate balance. So Taking photographs of your food can help you reflect on whether the plate balance that you've got on that particular meal is correct for whatever your health and running goals are. And the thing I like about the app is it collates the photographs into one graphic at the end of the day, and you can share that with friends or on social media. So it can be helpful for accountability. Um, and it's it's a good way of just sort of having a look to say, yeah, I've had a good day today or were there things that have crept in that I shouldn't have been eating or that I've got my um, you know, plate balance incorrect. Um, so you can also share the food, the photo diary stream with a friend or a nutritional professional. So many of my clients do that. And so I can you know, before I'm due to having a, a consultation with them, I can go into the app and I can see, I can scroll through days, weeks, whatever it might be, to see what they've been eating and I can get an overview of how they've been doing and then I can give insights and advice at their review sessions. So it's pretty um, user-friendly. Um, the other thing is that um, you can get information about what time you've eaten because the meal photos are logged at what time um, you've gone onto the app. And that can be really helpful if you're trying to check that you're planning um, to eat regularly at the right intervals. Um, and the other thing is if you do forget to take a photograph, which often people do, you know, they just get on with their meal and they forget, you can actually type in retrospectively. Um, so you, you'll just get a little blank white box and it'll say, you know, overnight oats, say you'd forgotten to take the photograph of that. So you, you still got some kind of a record. Um, so, yeah, that it's it's a very easy to use app, I would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I enjoyed using it when we did do um, that challenge. And and I think really what we're saying is that the focus of the, the eight app is on mindful eating and, and that holistic approach to health and well-being. So that's its main aim. Yeah, and it's, the tracking is about your food choices and how that makes you feel. It doesn't really go into nutritional data, so it's not going to tell you calories or macros or anything like that um but if if you want to just have a good glance at your 
food play and what your habits are, um, it can be really helpful. Um, and regarding uh, the cost, um, there is a, a free trial. Um, it's a seven day trial at the moment. These things change all the time. Um, I certainly think I'm on the free version of it and have been ever since I started, but I've been on it for a number of years. Um, and I think that once you get past your trial, it's around $50 a year. Um, but it's uh, it's a good, fun one, uh, worth to have a go. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Okay, so just to summarise so far, we've discussed really the services of three key apps, but four, including the Zoe that you mentioned at the beginning, Alien for Logging, Food Intake. And really, I think what's come out of this, that each one is really quite different with the likes of MyFitnessPal being quite generic in its data to Zoe that you mentioned, Alien, where the data is really personalised, like I said, considering it's an app. And they all potentially vary greatly in price, which would, I assume, be reflected in the service that they would provide. But not all of them provided the the, the full price information on their website. So we can't be completely sure of the exact pricing of some of them, certainly. So that's just a bit of an overview of what we've chatted about so far, really. OK, so let's uh, move on now and discuss how these apps um, or any other food app might be supportive to health and running. Um, but just before we do that, what I wanted to say was that food apps may not be useful or appropriate for some people. And we wouldn't recommend them for anyone who might be um, suffering from or has suffered in the past from any kind of disordered eating or eating disorder. Uh, now, eating disorders you know, there's many different types of eating disorders um, and they may lead to over or under eating. And if you do associate with any of these types of um, conditions, we'd really uh, recommend that you seek medical advice and liaise with a professional regarding your health and well-being. And a generic app uh, wouldn't really be the correct approach for your uh, food and nutrition goals. Um, so thinking about this, Karen, um, why someone may use a food app? What what do you think are the principal reasons that somebody would choose a food app to help them with their nutrition goals? Yeah, well, I think the reasons for somebody using a, a food app does really depend on their individual health and running goals. So, for example, I was saying that the reason I use my fitness pal is to manage portion sizes. But actually, it's also more than that. It's also for managing micro distribu distribution uh, because I need to really think and make sure that I'm getting the correct amount of my carbohydrates and protein principally um, for whatever training I'm doing. Now, clearly, we said at the beginning, it's generic information. It's not gold standard. So this is just giving me ideas um, and, and margins to be working within for um, my, my um, macro intake for the training that I'm doing. Now, I do also track my fat intake really because being a vegetarian, I find that my fat intake can be quite high. They, they are good fats, um, but they can be out of proportion to the other macros. So I have to be really mindful about this especially around my portion sizes of nuts because I just love nuts and I could eat them by the handful. And I do tend to um, overindulge. And when I'm not tracking, 
I know that I do tend to do that is to to just um not really think about my portion control for nuts but other things as well so um so so that's one way I use it I also use um my fitness pal for body composition generally when I feel that um my muscle mass has maybe reduced um uh, uh, somewhat or I've gained some fat mass and I've got a race coming up or an event looming and I just need to get back to where I like to be for racing but you know, there are lots of different reasons why a runner might use any of these apps. Um, Aileen, what what are your key reasons for using the apps that, that you use? And you've used various ones over over time. Um, well, for me, it's body composition, really. And, and that's why I'm so interested in how Zoe will work for me. Uh, and as I said, I will I will report back in a few months' time. Um, for for all the others, um, sometimes I think using app as a tracker can be really helpful as a reflection tool. Um, so I think we can find our eating habits and choices are actually very different to what we think they are. Uh, and by tracking for a short period, it can give us insights into how well. Uh, we're fine tuning or otherwise um, so for instance like yesterday I was like on the Zoe app you can they each day you get a score and there's a little um, green circle will come up on the date if you've got the right score and I was flicking back and I thought oh actually for the last four days I've not got a green circle and then that made that was a bit surprising to me because you know you think you're doing okay and you sort of it's been the weekend, so I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, went out for a meal on Saturday and mm-hmm. did this on Sunday. And, yeah, you know, logically I can rationalise the reasons why uh, that might have happened. But fitting that into my overall goals, do you think, well, actually, that was four days out of the last seven. I haven't been 100% on track. Yes. So, um, you know, I think reflecting is a really good way of using the apps and you know, it can be helpful from that point of view. Um, and also, I think has, um, you know, for endurance runners who are doing a lot of miles, it can also be helpful to checking that you are eating enough for your energy expenditure. And I think this is one of the issues with some of these apps is you're in, they sort of encourage you to do the same every day. And don't we're saying you should do something different every day depending on your exercise um so that's something to bear in mind yeah absolutely and thanks for sharing um those tips alien and 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 how you use these different apps as well because it's always really interesting how people use apps and why they use apps and we would be really interested to know why you our listeners use food apps if you do you know not everybody uses a food app but but if you do then um it would be great to know how and why so please do let us know and you can email us at hello at runnershealthhub.com and um, just drop us a note and let us know um, your thoughts on on the apps that you use. Now, other reasons I know of that people might use a food app include um, the mindful eating, and we have spoken about that already, um, and it's something that we talk about regularly in our episodes and um, and I think is something that is discussed more readily in the wilder world these days, linked to mental health. Uh, hence why I think there are more food apps 
kind of using this mindful eating approach rather than just looking at weight loss. It's about mindful eating. So, um, so I think that, and I think that is um, uh, a positive approach to to these food apps. And also, clearly, there is the weight loss. I do think that people still turn to to these apps, or certainly certain apps, uh, when they're just wanting to lose weight because it's a way of monitoring their food intake and how many calories that they're consuming. I'm not sure that it is always a helpful way of losing weight because, you know, like we've already mentioned, there's limited focus on the nutrient density of the food eaten. It really is just about the counting of calories. And that's that's not certainly our approach to health and healthy weight loss. But some of these apps do look at it in that way. Aileen, is there anything else that you would add there? Yeah, I mean, I like the, the fact that you've brought in that being able to focus on nutrient-dense foods, and that's certainly something that Zoe is doing. Um, but you, you also mentioned uh, my fitness pal to manage macro intake to ensure that you're eating enough uh, protein and carbohydrate for your training. So I think for some people, using a food app could be really helpful also to monitor their micronutrient intake, so the vitamins and mineral intake. So I'm thinking primarily about iron intake for female runners, but potentially uh, vitamin B12 and, and calcium for maybe vegetarian and vegan runners. And then thinking about vitamin C, magnesium and the B vitamins for runners who are under, you know, perhaps significant stress, whether it be running induced stress or just life stress. And that is something that my fitness pal, again, it will be generic. It will, you know, it's just working out, uh, from the foods that you've inputted, what they think your intake of, of these vitamins and minerals are. But it's a good way of just um, sort of maybe zoning in on, on one or two uh, micronutrients and just seeing are you doing enough from a food point of view uh, to help you. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there is also a really good um, software package that really gives quite detailed information on different micronutrient intakes. And that's a, um, a, from a company called Nutritics. Now, this software is for clinician use only um, so that they can use that with their clients. So what I would say is that if anybody is considering working on a one-to-one with a nutritional therapist and wanted to monitor the micronutrient intake as well as the macro intake as well, then check if they use Nutritics. Now, it is a software package that we use with our clients. And and I have to say that we, Aileen and I, and our clients are always um, really highly satisfied with the data it provides. And it really gives us a a base to work from um, regarding the, the, the client's individual nutritional support so so early so sorry i just kind of butted in a bit there um, just to say a little bit about nutritics um, do you have any other suggestions to why a runner may use a food app before we move on yeah i mean i think um the, one of the big things is that it's to help monitor progress towards your goal um whether it's be your approach in eating or your sports performance and i think it can be really inspiring and motivating to see the progress you're making over time it can help you stay on track when times get tough um you know and I think there can be tough moments when you're trying to change eating habits especially when eating out or you know you might have 
family celebrations or social occasions. Uh, but when you can see the progress, it can help you um, make make the right choices, really, and help you prevent from um, overindulging in you know, things that might not support your health and running. Um, so another reason that uh, you might decide to use a food app is um, something that I'll, I'll just mention quickly is it, it's a way of helping with accountability um, to yourself and maybe to others. So many uh, runners have a, a running buddy, a friend that they go running with and they train with. And maybe you could have a food app buddy too. And that's what I was talking about earlier. I find it really helpful um, to do something alongside. Um, so for instance, I'm doing Zoe with my sister and we're over and above the app. We're texting each other every day saying how we're doing. And that really helps us learn about it and to stay on track. So maybe, you know, if you had a food app buddy at the end of each day, you could share your food log um, or you could, you know, text each other and say how you've done and I do think that's why the ASAP is so really user friendly and good for this because as I said earlier it collates the food photos from the day into a graphic that you can share with with whoever you want to share with who's going to be supportive or you can even share it on um, social media if that's your preference not everybody likes doing things in public but uh, you might fancy doing that and I sometimes have to say I'll sometimes do uh, run more than one app at a time uh, because I get different things from them. So, you know, so I might do eight alongside Zoe because I'm getting different things from them. Although Zoe does give you a, you can photograph your food, but I don't think they produce it in the same way as eight does. So yeah, whatever your preferences is just finding how it works for you and using it in a way that motivates you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really good point, Aileen. It doesn't need to be one app. You can be using um, two different apps alongside each other. Um, maybe if you're using more than that, you might get a bit confused by it all. And also the fact that they, they can be time consuming, some of them, or some of the data that you've got to input. So you don't want to have too many on the go at once. But I think that's a really good point in that the they're doing different things so using them together can be really helpful um and you know you mentioned about the the eight app and and about how easy it is to to use and share and 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 I agree with that you know that really is why I thought it was it was a good app to use when we did our our little event our little challenge you know it was easy to post what we'd done during the day but also it was colorful and the other thing I liked about it was that it tended to open up conversation because people would be intrigued by what others had on their plate and we'd start asking about what it was what were the ingredients and then we ended up sharing recipes etc so it was it was really good for um for that little group event and again and you could have a WhatsApp group as just a, a group of friends and share your plates and share the recipes and things. So lots of ways of using these apps. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's uh, it's a good thing to try out. And I think as you, you mentioned about the time consuming, I think that, you know, you've got to make it work for you. But I mean, obviously, using an app, you can use them on the go. And that's often quite an easy way of people finding the time to use them you know you can do them when you're traveling or you've got a few minutes here and there during the day um, I think another influence maybe on 
uh, people deciding which app a person chooses would depend on price, mm -hmm. uh, but it also may depend on the tools that are available to the user. So, you know, things like Noom and Zoe are quite high investment, um, whereas My Fitness Pal is more like, you know, it's a small amount every day. And eight, again, it's a small amount every day over a period of the year, whereas the others are more, you've got to be really invested in your goal, uh, which is probably why, you know, that price is related to, uh, you know, they want people who are committed to using it and who are going to engage and, and ultimately get the results that you want to get from from the education and support they're going to give you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so really to round up that little bit, we've established some reasons why someone might want to use a food app, including things like monitoring body composition, also monitoring your macro and your micronutrient intake, monitoring pr progress towards um, your personal goals as well. So lots of different reasons. But, you know, there are many more reasons why people might use these apps. And if your reasons are different, then, yeah, like I'm saying, Ella, do let us know. Get in touch with us. We'd be um, really interested. So, Aileen, shall we just pause now for a short advert break before we go on to discuss the potential drawbacks of using these different apps? Yeah, sure, Karen. Um, so this is the moment in the episode where Karen and I just take a minute to talk to you about what we do outside of the podcast. And today, uh, I thought it would be a good idea to share with you about our one-to-one -one personalized nutrition services, um, because uh, you might be listening today and thinking, actually, I need more than an app. Um, so this service really is for you if you want some focused and personalized advice and support to help you achieve your health and running goals. And we've designed uh, three programs for you to choose from. Um, so the, the, the programs, you know, they're there if you, the first one is just all about um, running goals. The second one might be if you're looking for um, something to do with body comp composition, or you've got um, an underlying health condition that you would like to resolve. You know, it might be digestion, it might be immune, it could be anything. Um, but you you want to um, make that work for your running too. Um, and the third one is all about injury healing. So maybe it's a, a long term injury or recurring injury or injury prevention that you would like to focus. Um, but ultimately, they're all there to support you with your uh, running performance too. So if you are interested. Um, have a look at our website, runnershealthhub.com. Check out the work with us page. And in the drop down menu, you'll find one to one personalized nutrition. And there's a whole lot of information uh, there about what we've got on offer. Now, if you are interested in working one to one with us, what we suggest you do is you book a complimentary call with us so that we can find out more about you and your goals. And then we can suggest the best program for you and the best way of working with us to get you the results you desire. And um, there's, there is a booking link on the work with us page to book a, a complimentary call with us. Uh, and we'd be really, really happy to have a chat with you. 
Excellent. Thanks, Aileen. Okay, now let's move on and consider some potential drawbacks to using uh, food apps. So, again, if I was to think about this from a personal point of view as a user, so thinking about my fitness path specifically, I think some of the drawbacks would include it being quite time consuming, and I don't have a lot of time. You know, I tend to, the way it works, I need to weigh out all the ingredients that I'm using so I can log it appropriate. It does have a barcode feature which helps speed things up um, to a degree, but most of the ingredients in the in its database are mainstream foods. So any, any specialist foods or foods I've bought from farm shops and uh, farmers markets and things, it just doesn't register on... Um, on the app. Also, um, I, I think that having the barcode scanning option could potentially lead to some people choosing convenience and pre-prepared meals just to help keep the logging quick and easy. But what it might mean is that they, they're not necessarily choosing the healthy options of food. So I think that is a bit of a drawback. You want the speed, therefore you're choosing choosing foods that are not necessarily nutrient dense but they're quick and easy to um to log also um data on a lot of the foods in their database is added by users themselves therefore and i have found this that quite often the information that they're putting in is inaccurate so you have to be quite discerning um around that i think they're getting better but that is still an issue with my fitness pal so those would be my top ones, Aileen. Yeah, yeah. And um, have you had any sort of feedback from clients that use MyFitnessPal? What, what has been their experience? Well, interestingly, Aileen, some of my clients have found it quite confusing to use, especially around setting up their profile on their energy and macronutrient goals. And I often have to help them with that setup. And another confusing, confusing aspect for them is the fact that the energy intake requirements adjusts when exercise information sinks. So like you were saying earlier with one of the apps you used, Aileen, it's about um, um, the, the um, how did you describe it? The, the um, energy is, is taken away um, as you exercise. So as the exercise, no, your needs are in yeah, it's the other way. If you if you exercise, yes. it allows you to have more calories. Yes, exactly. But what what I find that clients tend to do is they set up their pr- the profile with the extra energy needs that they need for their for their exercise, and um, they include that in the, in their energy needs when they're inputted, which means potentially they're overeating. So we spoke about my fitness pal potentially leading to undereating in some ways, but also if you don't set the app up properly, you could potentially be overeating as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite confusing for yeah. you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so you might not want you might not want to allow it to sink in that case. <laughs> just... oh, that's right, exactly. You either don't sink your exercise and you just stick to whatever you've put in as mm. your um, your calorie intake or your energy intake on a daily basis, but then that doesn't keep it very 
personalized to your exercise because clearly people's exercise changes on a daily basis so how much energy they use up on a daily basis is going to be different so um and do you find Karen when if if you if you didn't put in your additional energy yourself and you were just at the baseline mm. and then you when you're exercising do you is that what you were saying earlier when when it's 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 adding back in the energy that you that it thinks you need it might not be adding in enough that's really what you were saying exactly if if you do it through the app if you do it through um well I use Garmin um I've it, it certainly it's telling me that I've expended more energy from that workout than yeah. Got, than um, my fitness pal would do so there's a discrepancy somewhere but yeah. it is generic information at the end of the day but basically what I'm saying is that when you set up your profile what you want to do is put in your RMR so your resting me- metabolic rate amount of energy and mm. then let my fitness pal then work out the extra that you need from the exercise that you input into the app yeah, you can see why it would make people's people yes. confused. Yes. This is well, you're there to help them, Karen. Yes, indeed. Okay, and, and as we said, the flip side of that is it, it. You know, with using some of these apps, it could be very easy to undereat, mm. uh, and that could become a bit of a challenge or uh, to you if to try and stay below what the app is telling you should you should eat. And although that's not their their aim, it, it can happen. Um, and I guess it depends on the individual and their mindset as to why these apps would be appropriate or not. You know, so, you know, I, I'm the kind of person that would apply my own common sense to it and think, OK, that's I don't that's not the right thing to do. But some people might, as I said earlier, be a slave to the information and only do things that the my fitness pal tells them to do or the the particular app tells them to do and that could be detrimental to things like energy body composition uh performance uh so you've got to look at things in the round don't you oh definitely and the other thing about these apps is that i think they could also lead to feelings of guilt if you're unable to stay within the parameters of what they're suggesting your food intake should be and um which is it's what happens to me sometimes, you know, and, and what I find is that it can take away the joy of eating, that spontaneity of eating. I find that the food prep and the eating then becomes a bit of a chore because I've got to think about inputting all this data into my fitness pal first. And um, and and then it's like, oh, God, I've got this to do before as I prepare the food. So, you know, and I love food and I love eating, but it's it sometimes and that's another reason why I do don't use it on a long-term basis because it does become a bit of a chore so I use it for you know my goals and then I set it aside. Mm. Um, Elena, I'm just wondering have you noted noted any drawbacks to using food apps either ones you've used personally or through co- comments from your clients who, who use certain ones? Um, well, I've heard clients say that um, when they use the free apps, they often get irritated by the adverts. You mentioned that earlier up earlier on. They sort of pop up and get in the way of when they're trying to log or read data. It's a bit like reading a blog, isn't it? Some yes. <laughs> It's in a newspaper and you can't get to it because of all the adverts. Yes. And I'm sure a lot of people could relate to that irritation. Mm. Um, and also that sometimes there, there are glitches at times with 
uh, leading to data not being registered or different apps not syncing, which can really be frustrating and lead to uh, time um, being wasted, really. Um, I mean, for me personally, uh, when I've used the eight app, uh, a difficulty for me was sometimes remembering to take the photos before eating. Um, although, as I said, there is an option to write a description later on. Or sometimes or you can take a photograph and not, not through app, not through eight rather, but it's in your photo streaming. You can add that later and it logs with the correct time. So that's another way that it can be helpful. Um, and, you know, I'm really enjoying uh, being part of the, the Zoe program and using their app. Um, but it is a high investment. And, and before you do it, you, you have to invest up front in getting some tests, you know, which involve uh, using a blood sugar monitor, uh, doing um, a finger prick blood test, which is looking at your the fat levels in your blood and also a stool test to look at your gut microbiome. Um, so that might put people off. Um, you know, I'm always intrigued by things like this. Um, it, what You know, it is a bit of an investment. It was about £300 to do that. But, you know, for me, I felt that it was a worthwhile investment. Um, and also... Um, you know, it's a it's a big study. There's people joining all the time and they're learning all the time. And sometimes there's a bit of a time lag between doing the tests and receiving results. So, you know, you can be waiting. I think we waited about a month to get our results back, which feels quite a long time because people often want to just do things immediately. But, you know, you've got to um depending you've just got to decide what's going to be best for you and is it worth waiting for you. Um so that's uh, that's what I was thinking about uh, mm. people might have. Have you thought of any other drawbacks about using food apps before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, yeah there are a couple I would just mention, Aileen. I think for some people there is that possibility of addictive behaviour occurring. You know, they become addicted to the figures and the, the data that they're being presented with rather than really thinking and acting for themselves so like you were saying they become a slave to the app and also um i don't think any of them really it would be good to use them um on a, a, a long-term basis use them as a tool like we've spoken about to make and monitor change and to educate yourself on your personal nutritional needs but then move away from them but to continue with the good habits that you form, that's what it's all about. And many of them are moving in that direction, that it is about um, sort of forming good habits, mindful eating to support physical health, but also mental health as well. And I think at the end of the day, it's important to sit back and ask yourself, you know, do I actually need a food app? Do I have the time to sit and input the data into the app? Can I afford the app? And is it going to be enough for me? Or do you actually need something more personalised, more one-to-one? So I think, you know, before jumping in, sit back and reflect and ask yourself these questions and then make a decision. Yeah, and you can just, you know, be old-fashioned and use uh pen and paper, um, make your own food and symptoms diary. Um, you know, we use that with clients too. Um, so it's often quite good just to write down um, what you've eaten, how you've been feeling, what your training diary is, 
um, and observe any trends, you know, go back and reflect on that at the end of the day or the end of the week. Uh, and as we said earlier, if, if you do require more personalised um, support, then please arrange a free call with us and we'll advise the best way we can about how we can support you either, whether it's via one of our programmes or maybe a more personalised one-to-one -one approach. Um, and as I said, you can find the booking link on the website at runnershealthhub.com and you can just book a call that fits in uh, with your availability uh, and your convenience. So that's really us wrapping for today. Um, so whether you're already using a food app or considering introducing one, we really hope that we've helped you think about whether it's the correct approach for you in supporting your food and uh, run training. Um, so um, excuse the pun, but lots of food for thought for today. Um, so Karen, on that note, um, would you wrap up with your key takeaways from this episode, please? Yeah, sure, Aileen. So just to remember that there's a plethora of food apps on the market, all advertising that they can help you reach your, your weight goals, your health goals and your training goals. But really the question is, which one is right for you? Are any of them the right approach for, for your health and your training goals? And I think that's a question to ask yourself and reflect upon before introducing um any app into your routine. If you do decide to go for an app when choosing one, make sure you know what you want it to do for you. For example, are you looking at body composition only? Are you wanting to eat more mindfully to support physical and emotional health? Are you willing to pay for the services as well? So again, all questions to, to ask yourself. Also, compare different apps before making a choice. You know, carry out a review, just as we've done um, today, to help you make the the correct decision, whether it's from what we've spoken about or do you need more information and you want to look at different apps, so just comparing them all. They can be a great tool to monitor progress when working towards a personal goal, be it in your approach to your eating or your sports performance. And, you know, they can really help to keep you motivated and inspired to reach that goal, whatever your goal is. But do remember that there are um, some drawbacks potentially um, to using these apps as well, including they might be time consuming. Remember, they're not gold standard trackers, so the, do the data um, may be inaccurate. They may have glitches, um, therefore making it quite difficult to use. They may detract from your love of food and eating, so bear that in mind. And they might not provide you with the results that you're looking for. And what I would finally say is remember that food apps might not be useful or appropriate for some people. And um, like Aileen was saying earlier, we don't recommend them for anyone who may suffer from or potentially has suffered in the past from any form of disordered eating or eating disorder. We would really recommend that you seek medical support and liaise with a professional regarding your individual health and well-being. And I can't stress that strongly enough. So um, those would be my key takeaways, Aileen. Okay, thanks, Karen. That's been a really interesting conversation, um, helping us with some great insights into using food apps that are available for everyone and highlighting some of the advantages to using the apps as well as hi highlighting some of the potential drawbacks to their use. 
So we'd love to know if this conversation has brought up any questions for you regarding using these apps. And uh, if you would be happy to have a conversation, uh, do uh, give us a call. And uh, remember to let us know what your experiences are too. So drop us an email or um, pick up the phone. And, and finally, remember everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband, which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. Mm -hmm.